What's up, guys? Welcome into a very special draft edition of Chargers Weekly. Here with Matt Money Smith, as always, and Dane Brugler joining us again this week to get us prepared for Thursday. The Chargers pick 17 overall. And this is what we're going to do this week, guys. This is an early episode of Chargers Weekly. We'll do one Friday, a quick reaction to whoever the Chargers select in the first round. And then next week, we'll dive into all the other picks and then have Dane back to recap what the Chargers did. But, uh, buddy, we had fun with this last week with Dane uh, answering questions and uh, ready to do it again. Yeah, I... uh between him putting together the beast and all the stuff we got through last yeah. week, I feel like we kind of covered most of it. I mean, we were digging into seventh round picks, Dane. We talked some punters. Uh, Punter I almost action. feel like, yeah. A, yeah, I feel like I almost kind of covered a little bit. We almost covered a little bit too much, but I, I guess the best place to start is just how much cha- has changed, you know, in the last six days and and what you're hearing. And, and you know, the, a lot of times the best way to follow it is just to look at the odds, you know, and how much the the Vegas odds have changed on that number one overall pick. And, yeah. and what could be, especially if it's, you know, the rumors are true, then I'll just plant this seed with you and you tell me kind of what you've heard and what you think is going to happen, that Peterson wants the tackle, Balky wants the edge. Who wins that battle? Because to me, if they take a tackle number one, that I think that just signals the run on tackles and people are going to be jumping into the top 10 to get these four guys. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Even if a tackle doesn't go one, we could still see that run uh, on those tackles uh, starting with three. We could see tackles go three, four, five uh, or four, five, six. Um, Very, very possible. So, yeah, it's funny. Talk about the pivot point of the draft. You know, when's that? It might be one, you know, because we just have no idea. And the way it was explained to me is kind of the scouts want Hutchinson, the coaching staff. wants the offensive lineman and the GM wants Walker. The game wants the upside. And so honestly, what the Jaguars do might come down to what ownership wants. Cause we know when it comes down to first round picks, especially the number one overall pick, the ownership uh, has a say in the decision. And so that could ultimately decide who is that number one pick. Uh, I, I mean, I, I still think I kind of lean Hutchinson um, just because he's, the safer pick is a little more conservative. And I, I think maybe that's the direction the Jaguars go, but yeah, but I don't feel great about it, especially, you know, the odds say that that Walker is the favorite right now. So it's hard to say. And it's, so it starts at one and then that'll obviously impact what the Detroit does at number two. Maybe it's as easy as whoever, uh, you know, the two defensive linemen, whoever uh, Jacksonville doesn't take, that's who will go to yeah. maybe, but you know, it's, you know, we don't know that. And then, Three with Houston. Houston's wide open, a wide open book here. They they could fill and they could go offensive line. They could go defensive line. We know, uh, you know, corner and Lovey Smith. That, that that's a possible connection. They've done a ton of work on Derek Stingley, a ton of work on Sauce Gardner. So uh, that would not be surprising at all. And then with the Jets having those two first round picks at four and ten, they're going to be a little you know, judicious on how okay, which we want the, we want the pass rusher. Do we go with the pass rusher here at four? Can we wait and still get Jermaine Johnson at 10? They have to be a little uh, strategic with, with how they attack it. So, and the same thing with the Giants at five and seven. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I, I say this every year, but I have no problem going, you know, two for 32 on my mock drafts. Uh, I, I don't care about that. Let, let's have a fun first round. It's upsets galore. Let's have some surprises. That, that's what we're all here for. Hey, uh, Dane, I asked Chargers fans to submit some questions. This is from Will. Do you think there's a likely scenario where the Saints jump the Panthers to take a quarterback and then one of these big three tackles 
falls to 17. Money kind of alluded to it. I don't know. I don't know if we're getting the big three tackles at 17. No, I, I think that there's a pretty good chance the Saints do look to get up uh, into the top 10, but it's not going to be for a quarterback. I think it's going to be for one of these tackles because mm-hmm. uh, they, I like the Saints know there's a good chance uh, the tackles aren't not going to fall. I, they, I, I think there's a, a very high chance all four of the top tackles, talking about Evan Neal from Alabama, Ikea Kwanu from NC State, Charles Cross, Mississippi State, and, and then Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa, whichever order you have them, uh, good chance all four of those guys are off the board in the top 14 picks. I, I think, you know, I, good chance the uh, Ikki, Evan Neal, Charles Cross go top six, top seven. And then I think Penning, his ceiling uh, or his floor as, as a pick might be at 14 and Baltimore. So uh, yeah, there, there's a good chance the Saints, we know they, they want a left tackle. And so if they trade up, I think it'll be for the left tackle, not the quarterback. Yeah, one of the, uh, one of the things we're starting to hear a little bit too, Dane, is just kind of where, where the tipping point is. You know, last year, we, we brought this up last week, right? Like last year, we said, hey, if we can get four quarterbacks, you feel about, you know, the blue chip players or however you right. want to describe them, blue chips first round grades, you know, there's never 32 first round grades, you know, there's usually whatever, you know, 15 to 20. I don't know what the number usually is. You would know better than I do, but I'm trying to figure out like how often, like how how often, because the chargers look to be in that spot where they're, if there's no quarterbacks taken one through 16, it's possible. They may not have a first round grade on any player that's available to them. So is that where we start to see a lot of these, well, you're trying like heck to trade back or you're trying to get picks for next year's draft because you're hoping that it's a little bit of, of a deeper class. How much have you heard about that? And do you think we're going to see a flurry of trades in this first round? Because it does look to be a low number of first round graded players. It's tough because I think a lot of teams are going to think that way uh, where let's move back because the guy we're going to get at 17, 18, 19 are very similar graded how we have the guys that are going to go 37, 38, 39. So I think we're going to try and we're going to, we're going to see a lot of that, but it's a, it's going to be more of a seller's market than a buyer's market where who's going to be trying to get up, you know, and, and that's, you need that dance partner. And so I think we're going to hear a lot of screaming for move back, move back, move back from, from a lot of franchises, but actually getting a deal done is going to be tough. Um, even the quarterbacks, I'm not sure many teams are, are itching to trade up for any of these quarterbacks. Uh, the over-under on quarterbacks is two and a half. And I think I might take the under right now, which, which uh, you know, I, I, usually we see these guys go. Uh, and that's the conversation I keep having is, oh, yeah, these guys are going to go. They're going to go. And it's, okay, well, where? And it's, well, not quite sure. You know, it, it's hard to find those landing spots for these quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that trading back is going to be option A for a lot of these teams. It's just going to be hard to find it. And I think, you know, you're in, you bring up a great point about the first round grades. Uh, most teams, yeah, between, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, some will be in the twenties, but this year uh, more going to, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more conservative grades. Uh, most first round grades are going to be in the teens from team to team. And then from there, uh, a lot of teams, they'll build their draft board, you know, like they have the one, a one B one C, and there's going to be a lot of one C's where, you know, he's a first round grade for us, but maybe not A or B. He's more of a, a, a C. And so I think even those guys are going to get drafted as early as the top 10, just because there's only so many, uh, you know, th- those higher ranked guys this year. 
we got a question from Bolt Up 15, Dane. If there was a surprise pick for the Chargers at 17, who do you think that name could be? Perhaps uh, somebody not typically mocked to the team. We've talked about Jordan Davis, Chris Olave, Javison Williams, some of these corners. Is there a name that maybe we haven't talked about much that could be uh, high on their draft board? Um, well, yeah, I, I think it, it would be interesting if, let, like, let's just say the Chargers have uh, 17 first-round grades in this draft and 16 first-round, uh, 16 of them are off the board and the, their one first-round grade left is maybe a position that they already have. And so, you know, would they stay true to their board in that scenario um, if they can't trade out? Or are they, you know, like, like say it's a – say it's a pass rusher, you know, like obviously yeah. the pass rusher is not number one need on this team. It's probably not a top three or four, maybe five need. Um, but do you stay true to your board in that scenario where, uh, you know, you, you know, you're an injury away. Um, you know, you can certainly bring three pass rushers on the, on the, or three edge rushers on the field at the same time, uh, you know, kicking, uh, you know, Boaster or Mac or whoever inside to, uh, you know, get a, a NASCAR package out there and just get getting guys going after the quarterback, especially on passing downs. So, I, I you know, you can't rule that out if the right player is there. Um, it, I think that's certainly a possibility. You know what? Let's just kind of stick in with that, Dane. You know, I like from and again, I, I don't want to position this as I know what the heck I'm looking at because I don't. But for some reason, it's just hard for me to watch corners like I, it's there's so much that you're trying to project when you're grading corners. To me, it's the hardest thing to say, oh, this guy's going to be good. This guy's not. It's just tough. So, like, give us an idea, because to me, that's where the surprise could be. Right. It just seems like teams. And I think about the Raiders. Right. And the corners that they've drafted. And everyone's like, what the hell? They drafted that guy for in the first round. Now, it hasn't worked out for them, but. What is that next tier of corners behind the big three, behind McDuffie, Stingley, and, and Sauce Gardner that maybe would be a surprise pick at 17, but they just happen to like one of these other players that, that maybe we don't have projected to be there in the teens, but selected maybe later in the first or in the second? Yeah, well, let's say that, you know, Sauce Gardner's off the board at that point. Trent McDuffie, or Derek Stingley's off the board, but maybe Trent McDuffie's still there. McDuffie, McDuffie's going to be interesting because he... Well, let's say McDuffie's not there, Dane. Like, okay. let's go to that, because okay. you know what I mean? I feel like we've sure. talked about those three. So yeah. is there, like, what is that next tier of corners, if that's a position that maybe they're kind of focused on? Uh, you know, Andrew Booth from Clemson, uh, you know, he he's, I think he kicks off that next tier, but he's been kind of MIA on the sideline because of his injuries. Uh, he had a, a grade two quad strain. He had double hernia surgery. So we have no testing data on Andrew Booth. We have not seen him uh, since the, since a regular season. And, and so that that's something that could that knock Andrew Booth from maybe probably a first round pick to now second round uh, Kyer Elam from Florida, six, one and a half, 190 pounds, uh, you love the size. You love the physicality that he plays with. He's a he's a man to man guy, four three nine in the forty. Uh, but there are some times where if you ask him to play off, you ask him to play uh, zone, where uh, the, the slacking some of that twitch at the top of routes. Uh, that's something where savvy route runners can take advantage. Um, and, and so that next tier of of corners definitely there's some. Uh, you know, reasons why we're talking about them that early as maybe first rounders, but also they're guys that are easier to, to poke holes in their game. Kyler Gordon from Washington, the, the other uh, Huskies uh, corner who uh, 5'11 and a half, 194 pounds. 
the 40 was just okay. I, I think that uh, there was a lot of hype about what Kyler Gordon was going to do at the combine only ran a four, five, two, and then did not run again at the, uh, at the pro day. So he was, he was happy with that four, five, two, but he did do the three cone, did the, the, uh, the jumps at his pro day. And he was outstanding in those 39 and a half inch vert uh, under four seconds in the short shuttle under uh, it was six, six, seven in a three cone, which is just remarkable number. So uh, for a guy like Kyler Gordon, who, you know, he, coming from a secondary, just like Trent McDuffie, where they asked him to do a lot, play yeah. both man and zone. Uh, you're, you're doing a lot of different things. So uh, it, while McDuffie is more advanced technically and, and, and mentally just with, uh, you know, route recognition and, and understanding what the offense is doing, Kyler Gordon's no slouch either. I mean, he, he's uh, a guy that I think you see, you see the development, you see the improvements, uh, especially over the last year uh, on last year's tape. So Kyler Gordon's one of those guys who's could go uh, in the one, could go early two, but you see the appeal with a guy like that who has size, has length, has that short area burst, uh, just doesn't have that elite long speed. Dane, this question is from uh, Lawis on Twitter. Some news that Evan Neal had a failed medical for some teams and he's off their draft boards possibility that he falls to the chargers at 17 is he worth the pick and i you know what i, I think about jonathan allen a, a few years ago where he was like a consensus like top three top five pick and the medical dropped him to 17 overall in washington i don't know how how true these rumors are and if you even know but i mean what's the latest with evan neal and where he could potentially go yeah, I mean, unless there's a gas mask involved, I don't, I don't think uh, we're gonna see Evan Neal fall that far. But you know what? It's the the medicals are definitely the one part of the process where uh, you know you're you're just kind of crossing your fingers. You know, like talking to scouts, they'll go into final draft meetings and look up on the board. You know, where, where's my guy? And you find out, oh, the he got dinged for a knee, or you know, went to combine rechecks and he's not progressing the way you want to see. And so that the 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 doctor and each team does it differently with medicals. A lot of teams use a grading system. One, two, three, four. Um, if you're a one, you're not going to be considered. If you're a two, probably not threes when you're okay. You know, like maybe we can compromise a little bit. So, you know, it's up to, you got to trust your doctors. You got to trust the people on staff uh, who know a lot more in that department uh, than, than you do as a decision maker. Uh, and so with Evan Neal, I have not heard anything, to that extent. Um, and, and I've talked to several teams about some of the injury guys in this draft and Evan Neal has, has not come up, but that doesn't mean that for a, a few teams that maybe, you know, some, some teams are more strict than others with their, their medical guidelines and, you know, their appetite for risk. Um, you know, like Kenyon green from Texas A&M uh, there, he's got a knee uh, where uh, some teams are more worried about it than others. And it's one of those things that, he could go out and play tomorrow, no problem. But long term, maybe there there could be something there. So um, each team kind of looks at it a little bit differently. But I, I'd still be surprised if we saw a guy like Evan Neal fall all the way uh, out of the top 15. That question was asked with powder blue glasses on, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think good way to put it. Good way to put it. The um, since you, you you brought up um, Kenyon, just, you know, between him and, and Zion Johnson and you know, when Quentin Wilson, when Quentin Nelson came out, people were like, oh, it's number one player in the draft. Well, he's an interior lineman, and we know how effective and how important he's been for the Colts. But that is rare where teams want to expend that high of a pick on an interior, exclusively interior lineman. Uh, the top two guards, if we're talking about surprises, it's 17. Mm -hmm. You know, how good, like, give us an idea, Dane, on your evaluation, how good 
these top two guards are that you have, you know, it seems like there's two, right, that are projected to be first rounders in terms of interior alignment. How good are they? Yeah, I think we'll see both Zion Johnson from Boston College and, and Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. Uh, good chance they're the first two interior offensive linemen drafted uh, ahead of Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, who a lot of teams view as a center only. And uh, that that's the, the lack of length with, with Linderbaum uh, is an issue. But with Zion, uh, he's a guy that just came away from every single interview impressing the, the, that team. Uh, he is such a fun guy to talk to. Um, you know, he He's a guy that uh, is about to finish his master's degree in cybersecurity policy and governance. So just talking to him about that is interesting. Um, but his story is great, too. He was a golfer most of his life, it decided to try out football later on uh, as a junior and senior, goes to Davidson, part of a triple option offense there, bets on himself, goes to BC. And the last three years, he has really uh, developed into this, uh, this high-level blocker. Um, I think, you know, play strength, uh, the reaction skills, um, the intelligence that he that he brings. Uh, this guy just looks like a plug and play, uh, you know, left starter at guard for the next, uh, you know, how many years? Uh, he has that type of ability. So uh, with Zion, easy guy to like. Uh, played some center at Senior Bowl as well, so I think there's some position flex there. I, I think that's a good. Uh, these are good names to bring up because if you get totally wiped out at 17 and you can't move and you're stuck there. I mean, I know guard isn't the sexiest pick, but you're still getting a, a plug and play player who's going to immediately upgrade your interior offensive line, give you depth at, certain, at different positions. Um, and Kenyon Green, talk about that versatility. He started at four different positions last year for at Texas A&M, uh, both guard spots, both tackle spots. I think his best position is guard. Um, a guy that didn't test all that well. I think that surprised some people uh, by his pro day and combine testing, but you love the balance that he plays with before and after contact. So he moves really well in space. Um, he's a guy that did not give up a ton of pressures. Uh, didn't give up. Uh, I think only one sack the last two years, the body control that he plays with is outstanding. Um, it needs to fix a few, uh, you know, bad habits that, you know, clean up the penalties. But besides that, this is a guy that has versatility. Um, he has the, the mobility that you want, the toughness. So I, I think both these players uh, are going to be off the board somewhere in the first round. Dane, I want to go back to edge players because, you know, you mentioned it's the strength of the Chargers right now from, you know, a starting lineup perspective with Bosa and Mac. But, shoot, you don't know what's going to happen in 2023. And if this is a deep edge rusher class, let's just say – they are stuck in some of the guys that they wanted that are non edge rushers are gone. Who would be there at 17 that would maybe make sense for the future. And it kind of, it goes in line with this other question from bolts draft talk. If the chargers do want to add an edge player, do they have to do it before day two ends because of kind of that run? I think edge rusher is the one position this year where even if you wait till day three, I think there's going to be at least somebody there that you feel comfortable with uh, that, you know, you have some optimism about what he's going to bring to your team. Um, and, and it's just a, just a loaded position. Like I'm, I, I'm going through my edge rankings and I'm like, wow, I really like this guy. And then I stack him and it's like, Oh, he's my 21st edge rusher. I was like, Oh, wow. I mean, it's just, it, there's so many guys this year and, and so many guys that you can see being productive, um, having an impact, different schemes. So uh, we're going to see a run on these guys early but it'll this position will stretch. So even if we see a run in second th round, third round, uh, day three, I, st I still think there'll be players. Obviously, you know, Trevon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, those guys are going to go early. Kayvon Thibodeau, 
probably still uh, somewhere in the top uh, 10 picks, probably. Jermaine Johnson's interesting. Um, I, I know some teams like Jermaine Johnson over Kayvon Thibodeau. We could see Jermaine Johnson go as early as four. That is possible. At the same time, maybe we see Jermaine Johnson, uh, you know, if he gets past a few teams, uh, teams that I know really like him, maybe he would fall to 13 in the Texans. Or uh, I don't, I'd be surprised if he fell all the way to 17 just because he's such a good player and he plays a premium position, but, but you never know. And then after those top four, that's where, uh, you know, there's some question marks. Uh, like a guy like George Karloftis from Purdue. Uh, a lot of split opinions. There's a, I, I think the, the public would be surprised how many second round grades there are on George Koloftis. Uh, more, more second round grades than first round grades um, on him. And he's a good player. Right? It's just a lot of teams think he's kind of is what he is. You know, he's kind of hit that ceiling. Uh, it doesn't have a ton of upside. But what he is right now is a guy that can help get to the quarterback. 6'4", 266. Um, you know, he's, he's got that initial burst. He's got strong hands. Uh, the motor just doesn't quit on this guy. So uh, now he, he's a little, little stiff, uh, and you wish he was just maybe had a little more twitch, uh, to his game, but that's why we're talking about him as maybe a late one or an early two, but would 17 be too early to take him? Uh, maybe we just, you know, not, who knows how the, how the chargers have him ranked. I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Carl Aftis because like to me and, and Chris knows this, I have a Purdue bias. I just always have, I don't know why I just feel like that. For whatever reason, no matter the head coach, that program just puts out ass kickers and just guys that freaking eat glass and spit nails. And like, that's just what I see from him. You know, you talk about stiffness and, and that sort of thing. But man, that it just seemed like that guy was in the backfield all the time. All like I would put his whatever the measurable would be pressures, whatever. I would imagine he's as good as anybody in this draft because it just seemed like he was back there all the time. So let's Let's just play best case scenario here, Dane. Let's say that, you know, one of those wide receivers slips. You've got Green Bay that's got two ones. Uh, you've got new, the Jets that got those two twos at 34 and 35, whatever those are. And, and they want to jump to 17. What about, you know, just, just below? Because I think, I think, think Carl Aftis is going to go in the, in the first round, you know. So let's, but what about that next? The Boye Mafe, the Ebiketti's like that. When you talk about deep, um, like how – I guess what I want you to do is, is explain deep to us, like starter pro bowl level player. Like, what does that mean? If let's say the chargers were able to trade back and, and maybe pick up those two twos or something like that. I think somebody that's going to come in and make an impact on your team. So, you know, even a team like the chargers who are set at, 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 as their starting ends, uh, a guy like uh, Arnold Epichetti, uh, it could come in, it would not surprise me at all if he's a sub package player, but still has eight sacks as a, as a rookie, eight to 10 sacks. That, that's certainly uh, possible with him because of the motor that he plays with uh, the length that he has. He's, he's got twitch to his, his, his uh, pass rush. Uh, Epic Eddie's been a fun player to study uh, temple uh, player transferred to Penn state for his final year. And uh, you know, led the team in tackles for loss. He had a couple blocked field goals. Uh, I mean, he, he really gave tackles a hard time uh, rushing off the edge. Um, and, you know, Logan Hall, I'm a big fan of, of, of his out of Houston, 6'6", 280. Some teams view him as a three technique, which is what he played at Houston. Other teams like him as an edge rusher, uh, you know, has that long frame where you just give him a little runway and, you know, let him, uh, you know, build up that momentum and, and go through guys or use his quickness to get around him. So Logan Hall from Houston is, is a player that, uh, again, as a sub package player, a guy that can come in, give you snaps, give you a little juice on passing downs, 
Um, and then maybe the most interesting of them all is, is David Ajaba from Michigan, who yeah. basically needs a redshirt year. Uh, you know, a, a guy that's been playing football for five years uh, is still learning. But, uh, you know, even though he still has a long way to go, he had 11 sacks last year. You don't luck into 11 sacks. He has a, a good understanding of pass rush and what he's doing out there. But the Achilles injury at the pro day. That that is obviously something that is uh, gonna gonna drop him a little bit. Could he still go first round? Sure, it's possible. But I think there's a better chance he goes early second somewhere. And you know, could uh, could the Chargers be interested in, in a trade back scenario where David Ajabo? Uh, yeah, you you have to take your medicine a little bit in terms of just kind of being patient and waiting. But that investment might be worth it, especially when you feel good about your current uh, edge rush situation uh, with your starters with Mac and Bosa. Question for both of you guys. Um, this is from Chargers Homer. Dan, um, what's more likely this year, Chargers trading up or Chargers trading down? Money, I'll, I'll ask you first. And then, Dane, you know, we, we talked about – I feel like there's more people that want to trade back. Um, what are you hearing after we hear from money? Well, quickly, I would just say that because they don't have their two, um, I, I think the trade-up is tough. I, I think there's going to be a lot of teams because I just look at the, the Packers – the chiefs, there are teams that have got, you know, the chiefs have two ones, two twos, two threes. Like they, to me, that's the prime trade up. So they're, and I think the price to jump because we, what we were talking about earlier, how many players are there uh, with those first round grades. The other issue is I think the contracts that are being handed out. I mean, the wide receiver numbers that came out in free agency are going to lead to a run on wide receivers. So I think if that's what they're circling, if they want Jamison Williams or if they want Drake Lunch, something like that, I think that's, I just think it's price prohibitive um, for them to be able to go up. To go back, I think makes sense, but it's what Dane spoke of earlier. You know, do you have someone that wants to jump into 17? Does one of those blue chip players make it that far, you know, where now you can slide back because that's, you know, that that's someone that that has that kind of value for a team that has got more of those second and third round, you know, maybe they have multiple twos or they have multiple threes, you know, and, and whatever that may be like to me, those are the two scenarios that come up where where it makes sense. I just Dane, I feel like trading up is, is going to be really tough for the Chargers without a number two. Yeah, no, I think I had the same thought. I, I thought you, I think you nailed it uh, without having that, too. It, it does make it tough. And. I know this is a team that isn't doesn't do a lot of trading back uh, in the first round, but it, it, if they have an opportunity to do it with, say, the Chiefs, I I, I think that that's that's the perfect team that you know. But again, it's in your division. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's there's <laughs> some some red tape there that you know you never know. But uh, yeah, team they have multiple picks in the first four rounds, so you feel like they have the most ammo to like they're not drafting eight players in the first four rounds. I, I'd be shocked. Right if the chiefs did that. So how are they going to be creative? Where do they see? Um, so even though like, I know a lot of chargers fans want a wide receiver, maybe a run on receivers isn't the worst thing because that means that maybe the char or the chiefs or maybe the Packers or one of these other teams that really want one of those receivers, they're going to be looking to move up. Uh, and, and, you know, chargers guy could be a, a prime landing spot for them to, to get whoever, whether it's Chris Olave or, uh, Jamison Williams, if he falls a little bit, Drake London, uh, whoever, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the Cowboys, the Cowboys are a team that, uh, if let's just say Drake London fell a little bit, 
if Drake London's available, I think the Cowboys would be a team very, very interested in maybe giving up their two, moving up to get Drake London. I, I know it's a player they like a lot. And so, um, like I said, wide receiver run, maybe, uh, you know, maybe not the best thing for the, for the Chargers fans that want receivers, but it could end up being a good thing if you're hoping for that trade back opportunity and teams get a little, little spooked about, okay, which receiver is actually going to be left for us. Maybe we have to move up to get our guy. Um, and if they're able to move back uh, a few spots, you still have a first round pick, you get back that second round pick. Maybe that that's the ideal situation for this team. And I, we still haven't talked about the quarterback run, Dane, when that could potentially happen, if it happens at all. And yeah. could that happen before the Chargers select at 17? What are you hearing about, you know, Malik Willis and Pickett? Are those guys who could potentially go before the Chargers select? Or is that something that we may see a run, maybe the back half of the first round to get that extra year? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've mentioned this before, but just how, you know, teams, they do their own mock drafts. Uh, as much as people mock mock drafts, teams do their own because they want to know, okay, if we have the 17th pick, who who's going to be left for us? You know, the first 16 picks, how, how is that going to play out? And, you know, talking to those teams, they just have, they don't have a good feel for how these quarterbacks are, if, if they're going to go uh, top, top half of round one. Uh, and if they do, uh, where, you know, what teams is Seattle, Atlanta, wild card. I, I don't think Carolina is taking a quarterback. Atlanta is a little bit of a wild card, but I would, I would lean not a quarterback. Seattle is very much a wild card. They, they do what they want. You know, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. They always do what they want. And uh, could it be a quarterback? It, it's possible that every, everything's wide open for them now with, with Russell Wilson, no longer in town. So uh, that Seattle becomes very interesting. But uh, if quarterbacks get past those spots, uh, unless the Steelers trade up, there's a good chance no quarterbacks are off the board in the first, in the top half of round one. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a complete juxtaposition compared to last year when, you know, last year doing a mock draft was not easy, but easier because we had those tech poles. We had quarterbacks. We knew quarterbacks were going one, two, three. We knew Justin Fields was going top 12 somewhere. We knew Mac Jones was going to go somewhere mid first round. So, you know, it was a little bit easier to do a mock draft and to forecast these things because we had those tent poles with those quarterbacks. This year, no tent poles. We don't know how, you know, nobody, nobody in the NFL has a good feel for exactly where that first quarterback is going to come off the board. Will there be a run? Could we see? Uh, you know, like like a Matt Corral, not a ton of buzz on Matt Corral, but would it be a shock if uh, a team traded in at a back half of round one that to pick thirty uh, to get to get a guy like Matt Corral? No, I I don't think it'd be that surprising at all, just because these these quarterbacks are such wild cards. Dane, you know, just kind of going back to the and it just popped into my head when you were talking about Drake London sliding. You know, I don't know if you had the same experience, but when I was at the combine. You know, I had it was just one person, but someone whose opinion I respect when we were talking about, hey, what how is it laying out for you? He said, Traylon Burks is my number one receiver. I just mm -hmm. think he can do more than anybody else. I think it is a size league. And for, you know, there are certain teams that they have their thresholds. And to me, he's going to fit into one of those. And and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the numbers aren't what people want. And when you go back and watch all the stuff, I think it is okay to do the Debo comparison. He's big. He's physical. He yep. seems a heck of a lot more athletic than people are giving him credit for. Like, would that be a, would that be a surprise pick to you if the Chargers, knowing how creative Joe Lombardi is offensively, if they grab Traylon Burks? And why has the buzz just kind of disappeared from that guy? 
Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, I, I've take, taken some heat for, you know, calling him a linebacker-sized Debo Samuel, but I think it, I mean, I'm with you. I, when you look at his play style um, and the way that, uh, you know, he was used in an Arkansas offense where basically just manufacturing touches for him, uh, using him in the slot, using him uh, in, in, in motion, using him uh, on, on pitches and, and all these different things just to get the ball in his hands uh, because they were smart. They knew he was the best player in the field. Uh, with Burks, I think, you know, he ran the four five five um at, at the combine, which you expected better because uh, this is a guy that, I mean, show me the film where he gets caught from behind. It's not right. out there. It, he's got that speed. Um, but uh, with, with him, I think part of it is towards the end of the season, he was kind of pushing 240. Um, that weight was a little kind of got away from a little bit. Uh, it was 225 at the combine, but, you know, just keeping the weight in check. And then just how raw he is as a route runner. Um, you know, he, he's going to face a, a, a pretty big transition. Uh, if, if you're going to play him as the X, uh, you're going to play him outside, um, you know, facing press coverage in the NFL and defeating press, getting to his route, that's going to be a, a big transition for him. And so I think that's where the hangup is. That's where, uh, you know, the doubt starts to creep in with Traylon Burks. It's just being a, a route technician and that part of the game uh, at the NFL level, he's just not quite ready for that, but it's not that he can't do it. It's just, he's a little more unproven than some of these other guys uh, when it comes to being a true outside route runner. Uh, but if Burks went, you know, to the chargers in the first round, I don't think that'd be a huge surprise because he is still a, he's a big time playmaker. This guy had 11 touchdowns last year in the sec. Uh, he is dangerous with the ball in his hands, throw on the Alabama tape and watch these Alabama defensive backs trying to catch this guy. They couldn't do it. So uh, I, I think a, a Burks is a weapon, and uh, I, I think somewhere in that probably the back half of round one is where he's going to go, going to go. Could be as early as, uh, you know, 16, 17, 18. Could slip to 24, 25, 26, but he's right there in that mix. Dane, last one for me. I, it just, just two guys that we didn't talk about today, but we've talked about in the past, is uh, Devin Lloyd from, from Utah. And, and I'm not sure if the Chargers are going to go linebacker in the first round. And I really just think that they're going to stick and pick because there's so many different scenarios in which, you know, you get a good player that can make a difference in 2022. Um, someone's going to be there. Um, Devin Lloyd, what are you hearing about him? And then I keep going back to Chris Alave. Like, you know, we talk about all these wide receivers and all the money that, that's being handed out. I think the Chargers are in a good place with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen right now, but Chris Olave could be that that complement to both of them that really makes this offense go. Yeah, I mean Devin Lloyd's just such a fun player. Uh, I, I, it's one of the best defensive players in this draft because he can do everything. You, you don't need to take him off the field. Uh, he's a, four, a true four-down player, and so a guy with his blend of instincts, um, uh, the way he sees the field, the explosiveness, the fact that. You know, he had over 100 tackles. He had 22 tackles for loss. He had four interceptions. Uh, he impacted the game in so many different ways. And, you know, uh, coming off uh, a first round last year where we saw Micah Parsons go 12 overall and have the rookie season he did, Devin Lloyd is not Micah Parsons. He, he doesn't have the same type of size. He's not doesn't have that build. Um, he, he's not the same type of athlete. But in terms of impacting the game in all these different ways uh, that Micah Parsons is able to do, Devin Lloyd can do some of that. That that versatility that he brings is big. Uh, the way he can, uh, you know, defeat blocks, uh, not strictly by being a take on player, but the way he can weave through traffic, the way he gets a head start and beats blockers to the point of attack. I mean, that that's what he does. And so 
as an off-ball player, uh, as an off-ball linebacker, a lot of teams, uh, they don't necessarily target that position early. So I, Devin Lloyd could absolutely be on the board in the late teens, early 20s. And it'll be interesting. There are a few teams in there that, you know, you could see a fit, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, the Patriots at 21 or, uh, you know, even going to the 20s, the Titans at 26. There's a few teams that make a lot of sense, the Packers at 22. Um, so I think Devin Lloyd is the favorite to be the first linebacker drafted, not not a lock. Um, I, some teams still like Nicobe Dean. Some teams have Quay Walker, his teammate uh, at Georgia, as, as the top linebacker. So uh, where we see that first linebacker come off the board will be interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned Chris Olave, and he—he's he, such an easy player to appreciate. You just enjoy watching him. And uh, you know, coming from uh, California, like I'm an Ohio guy, so you know, uh, wa- watching Ohio State week in week out. Uh, Chris Olave, who is a three-star recruit, like the third lowest recruit in Ohio State's class that year, um, it was 2018. And, you know, he's making these plays as a freshman. It's like, okay, who is this guy? And, you know, why is he scoring touchdowns against Michigan when, you know, these other highly touted receivers aren't doing it? And then you just, I think Ohio State fans have just been spoiled with Chris Olave because he's been so smooth, so consistent the last four years. Um, it, it's easy to appreciate his game. Now, is he limited in some of those areas? Yeah, he's not the biggest guy. Physicality, you worry about the yaks, uh, yak production's not there. But a guy that's just a pro- professional, the way he goes about his business, the way he can create separation, you, you add that to a Chargers offense that has already has, you know, the firework potential uh, with, with the talent with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And, you know, I, even though they did go wide receiver in the third round last year with, with Palmer, uh, you add Olave to that mix. I, I mean, I, again, I think you you keep going back to um, part of your decision making is you want to draft someone that everyone else in your division is going to go, oh crap. And yeah. Olave could be one of those guys where the other teams in your division are like, okay, how many corners do we have now? Because we got to cover all these guys. And Chris Olave could be one of those oh crap guys uh, for the rest of the teams in the in the AFC West. All right. So uh, my eyes have been wandering uh, on the video here because I was just kind of taking a peek at the draft capital chart to see if, you know, since we're doing this before the first round, we're going to reconvene and we can talk about days two and three uh, after the first round. But let's just say, you know, Green Bay, it's got the two ones. Let's say they want to trade the Chargers 28 and their second. That would line up in terms of the, the number for 17 if the Chargers throw them a fourth. So they give them their one and their four. Green Bay gives them their last one. And they're two, and you're talking about an even number. That's a fair trade. Mm. Now, here's what I'm going to propose. Tell me if this is crazy. And Chris, you can weigh in on this as well. Just, I think about what Jonathan Taylor has meant to the Colts and, and how the Chargers are looking for that compliment to Austin Eckler. And for people that, that have watched Austin, they know he's not a running back. He's a weapon. Now, he is a hell of a running back. He will bang between the tackles. But I think about Lombardi, and he was with Sean Payton when you had – Deuce and you had Reggie Bush at the same time and we know that there are ways to to work with two guys like Brees Hall and Austin Eckler because they are full service running backs does that make sense to you could you see there being value in the number one running back in the draft being taken at the back end of that round well hey what did we say right before money came on I said Zion Johnson trade back and Brees Hall like I feel like that would complete Chargers offense (laughs) yeah yeah no we we did we we were talking about it right before we hit record um 
Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and, and I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, with uh, like, personally, I think Kenneth Walker is the best running back in this, in this draft, but I know plenty of other people believe Brees Hall is that guy, but either one of these players, I, I think you're adding, you add that to the offense, you add that to the recipe here. He could do a lot of things. I mean, to, to think about a guy like, like Brees Hall and uh, Austin Eckler on the field at the same time. And, you know, kind of like what you're saying, Austin Eckler can go out, you know, motion him out in the slot, you know, keep him in the back, whatever you want to do with them. Yeah. If, if you, if you have the offensive coordinator, if you believe that he, uh, the Lombardi has the creativity to use all these guys, then should absolutely be part of your thought process. So I, I, I love the out, out of the box thinking on that one. Dane, uh, the last uh, installment of Crossfire is coming out uh, today. We're taping this on a Tuesday. Uh, you give us uh, your selection for the Chargers at 17 overall, so check that out. And then also you're doing something at a draft house in Vegas, um, a live show on days one and two. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. For the athletic, we're doing a, a live, every, you know, covering every pick Thursday night, Friday night. Um, myself, Robert Mays, Nate Tice. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so, uh, yeah, we, we've got a house uh, in Vegas. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to, you know, go, go over these picks as they happen. And and like I said, this is going to be such an unpredictable draft that it, it's going to be fun to experience these picks real time with everybody else and, and figure it out as we go. So, uh, I, I cannot wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully people check it out. You know, just check it uh, on the athletic or on, on Twitter uh, at DP Brugler. Uh, I'll definitely be uh, posting the link. So uh, hopefully people check it out. So if you're the house, does that mean like I come to the, the athletic draft house and, and I'm gambling with against you, like you're the house and you're dealing blackjack and you're running the craps table. And, and I'm now gambling against you. <laughs> Is that what you mean by you guys have a house? I, like you're I, going to be the house. Now that you mention it, I mean, draft props have become a pretty big thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, over-unders, uh, over-under two and a half quarterbacks in the first round. I mean, that, that's tough. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, over-under the 10th pick, like it's it's crazy, some of the props out there. So, uh, hey, we could have some fun with it. I like that. You're not yes, giving... the Nevada Gaming Commission, no, we're not going to have fun yeah. with it. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. We're not. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're not yeah. giving the address away to this house, I yes, take it. Exactly. Dave. No, no, no. And I, actually, I don't even know the address yet. I, I'll find out when I land in Vegas tomorrow. Oh, hey, uh, next week, um, money's going to have some punter questions. Get your punter rankings out. We'll see what happens. I know Ariza, punt God, maybe oh, okay. round. Uh, over under two and a half punters drafted. Okay. I'd go over. I think I'd okay. go. I think I'd go over. Um, right. It seems like it seems like you got the three with Kamara being the third. You mentioned that. Right. Right. So yeah. good, Jay. Kamari could be uh, could be the 14th Georgia player drafted, which would which would tie geez. the record. So that is just incredible. Yeah. 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 Could, could be. Uh, could be. Hopefully, he does get drafted, and uh, some something more to talk about. That's right. Thanks to the punters. See, punters are people too. Were it not for that guy, Georgia wouldn't have the record of drafted players. We're on a we're on a three episode streak of closing the podcast yes, with punter talk. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Nate, Dane, safe travels, man. Money, you're the best. And guys, we will reconvene next week and uh, talk about what the Chargers did.